Welcome to LRC Chat, the official podcast for academic skills. Join me, Alex, and me, Edward, every Tuesday as we interview CPP faculty and staff to learn more about the topics that matter most to students. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us here on LRC Chats. Today we have the pleasure of meeting with Alyssa Christensen. Alyssa, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, I'm Alyssa Christensen. I'm the ASI Care Coordinator for the Poly Pantry, which is our first permanent food pantry in the Bronco Student Center. The Poly Pantry is located on the first floor in room 133, or 1333. Okay, nice. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your program? The Poly Pantry was started in 2016. It was a student initiative that was spearheaded by the president, Uriah Sanders, and he saw that there was a need on campus to support students in terms of their food insecurity and helping them be successful not only academically but also in their personal lives. So in the beginning, um, the bill was proposed, and it's taken three administrations to get my position filled. I'm a full-time staff member. I will also be hiring two part-time staff members. And we just opened the Poly Pantry on April 29th, 2019. Okay, so very new program. Very new. We're excited about it. Um, We know that food insecurity is something that many students on campus are struggling with. And many people that may not struggle with it, they're not aware of what food insecurity is. So we like to try to tell people that food insecurity is the state of being without reliable access to sufficient quantity of affordable, nutritious food. And there's two different types of food insecurity. So there's low food insecurity, which is the reduced quality and variety or desirability of your diet, and very low food insecurity, which is multiple indications of disrupted eating patterns and reduced food intake. And the Poly Pantry serves students that are impacted by food insecurity, and we provide access to food and essential basic necessities, as well as referrals to campus and community resources, which helps them maximize their success. Yeah, you said something really interesting to me that mm-hmm. I was very passionate about in my undergrad, mm-hmm. um, which was sort of like selection of food. So mm-hmm. I think if I have $5, I can buy one pack of strawberries or I can buy five double cheeseburgers, right? Mm-hmm. And if I only have $5, I may choose five cheeseburgers, even though that's not the best for me. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm getting more bang for my buck, right, than something like strawberries. Of course. The nutritious aspect is important because food insecurity touches all of us, and it's not just about the reduced intake or skippy meals. That's on the low side of it, but it's a continuum. And so many of us are struggling to meet our needs nutritiously. And so that's going to be part of our program, too, is working with partners on campus to develop recipe cards, um, cooking demonstrations. So we have a lot of goals for the program, but we definitely want to help students have access to nutritious foods. Right. Yeah. Something that... um because I've, I've, you know, we know each other, and something that you always mention is the uh, basic needs pyramid um, mm-hmm. that always stays with me, um, and that's why we decided to bring it to this podcast, because I know your program focuses on giving the student the basic things that they need so that they can focus on their academics, right? Um, and uh, I feel like beyond that, you guys are helping develop a culture of it's okay to ask for help as well, right? Absolutely. Um, how do you feel about that? I think advocacy and self-advocacy is really important because right. when I went to school here, um, I'm an alumni from 2011 and I was a sociology major. Right. And I really struggled with food insecurity and I didn't ask for help. I didn't know how to ask for help. 
I thought that I was alone. And I, I see now that there are resources that are available. And I think the one thing that I would hope for our students is that they learn how to ask for help. Because right. that's a very courageous thing. And if we can start asking for help and seeking help, right. we'll find all the resources that are available. And we want students to utilize all of the resources on campus. So back to some of my program, and then we'll get into Maslow's. The Poly Pantry is available to all students that are in need. And we define need as a situation where students are faced with financial challenges and would otherwise have no resource to supplement their meals. So I'm part of the Broncos Care Basic Needs Program, which is a comprehensive campus-wide program that offers food and housing resources. Mm -hmm. Some of those resources are CalFresh assistance, where students can get up to $192 a month on an EBT card. We have EBT access on campus so that if you are a beneficiary, you'd be able to use that card on campus. Um, And that creates the... CalFresh has some stigma that's associated with it, also with food insecurity and asking for help. So we're hoping to kind of destigmatize and normalize that because food insecurity touches all of us with the current economic crisis that's going on. And the cost of college and the cost of living, financial aid packages aren't adjusted for that. So I received financial aid, but I still really struggled. Um, So going back to the Broncos Care Basic Needs Program, we also have meal assistance, short-term emergency housing, an emergency grant of $500, and I'm also part of the Integrated Care Network. And the Care Network is kind of a group of individuals that have the position of care service coordinators um, in the DRC, which is the Disability Resource Center, in CAPS, which is our counseling services, in our behavioral intervention team in university housing in ASI, so across the campus, and also in our health and wellness center, which Judy Juarez Crawford is the lead of our Broncos Care Program. So the Integrated Care Network is our holistic approach to helping students be successful and to meet their needs. So we give referrals um, to any students that are looking for help. We might have other resources that are available on campus, but it starts with that first step of courage, being able to ask for help. And by one person doing that, I think that it helps others join that that movement. So we're really hoping that that will happen. Um, And then going back to your Maslow's question, basic needs is basically the resources that is necessary to to thrive in school. And basic needs are, um, Maslow had a theory and the pyramid represented the different levels of needs that a person had. And we know that um, in order to reach our full potential, we have to fulfill our basic needs, which are food and housing. And It's important that if students are going to focus on their academics, that we give them access to things that will help nourish their brain, help them to retain the information that they're learning. And so Maslow's is really interesting because it's relevant to today's problems of poverty and hunger um, and a lack of basic needs such as food and shelter can affect an individual's capacity to focus on a final, to hold a stable job, to pay for housing. So if we can support that student through that transition, that difficult time, then we're helping our community and we're enriching ourselves because we get a lot out of this experience as well. It's a blessing for me to be able to work on campus because of my food insecurity Um, and being an alumni and understanding what that's like. And so it's a wonderful opportunity for us to create a culture of advocacy and just empowering students to utilize the resources that are available. And beyond the, you know, just the basic needs of, you know, food and housing, you guys also do, I know the Wellness Center does a lot of uh, mental health and uh, mindset health. And um, 
Can you tell us something about that as well? Yes, yeah, so the CAPS program, our counseling services, we have a lot of programs um, within CAPS, even our survivors advocacy services, the SAS. There's so many programs on campuses that provide case management, referral to resources, um, a linkage with different services such as CAPS or the BIT team, behavioral intervention. And it's just important that students know that with stress, it's difficult to function cognitively, mm -hmm. just like with food. And so if there's a way that we can support students, there are a lot of resources. And just like you said, they're usually housed up in our health and wellness center, student health and wellness, building 46, and also in our CAPS department, which is in the Bronco bookstore. Mm -hmm. um, and across the campus, really, there's a lot of a lot of caring individuals. So that's why I'm proud to wear the care coordinator position because we care about our students. And beyond the classroom, we want them to learn skills that will help them be successful in their college and career experience in wherever they go with their life. Right. Yeah, you know, and I find that really interesting because before connecting with you, I didn't realize how widespread this issue is, right? I, I assumed, okay, there has to be a couple of students here and there, but it seems like based on the way the campus is pushing that this is a much bigger issue than people may realize. Yes. Do you think that's true? Yes. So there was a study that was put out by the CSU Long Beach in 2018, and there was a survey that was conducted in 2016 to help release you know, some of the information for that study. In 2016, Cal Poly Pomona was part of the second phase of the survey, and that survey found that of the 1,000 students that responded to the survey, 35.9% experienced food insecurity and 14.9% experienced housing displacement or homelessness, some type of housing instability. That number is larger than what they found across the CSUs. In the CSUs, they found that 10.9% of students had experienced homelessness and that um, we have a larger percentage of students on this campus with homelessness or housing displacement. So we know that the need is is very high and we're trying to find the resources to be able to meet the need. But we also know that many people don't participate in those surveys. So there was recently a study that was done by um, the Hope Lab, the Wisconsin Hope Lab, and they found that from community colleges, 50% of students that are incoming in our region in California have food insecurity. And so as a transfer student, I can relate to that. And just not knowing how to manage our our financial aid packages. So I think financial literacy is important. I think nutritional literacy is important. And students understanding that they're not alone. And the resources that are available, they deserve those resources. And we hope that they will utilize them. Um, student fees pay for my position. So it's an honor and a privilege to be able to serve students. And many students come in and they say, that they don't want to receive services because they feel like they're taking from somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we kind of redirect students to help them have a, a shift in their paradigm, their mindset, that their job is to advocate for themselves. And my job is to worry about the rest. And there is enough for everybody because everybody deserves to have their basic needs met. And food is a basic human right. So we hope that students will help each other understand that this is something that nobody should have to struggle with and alone. No student should have to go to class hungry. Yeah. It's difficult to write a paper. It's difficult to focus on a final. Um, it's difficult to engage in the community yeah. and to participate on campus when you're struggling with something that you think others don't understand. So hopefully we'll be able to talk more about that this year. This podcast is brought to you by Academic Skills and the Learning Resource Center at Cal Poly Pomona. 
Learn the strategies you need to be successful at CPP and beyond through our interactive modules, monthly newsletter, and weekly podcasts. For more information, follow us on social media at CPP Academic Skills and transform the way you learn. You mentioned that throughout your undergrad and even your master's program, you struggle with a lot of the basic needs issues. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you had that perseverance in you. So how did that, how was that factor the one that, you know, made a difference in you making it and you not making it into college? Thank you. Um, I, I think the environment that I grew up in profoundly influenced my grit and every aspect of my character. I was a, um, I was in a low-income neighborhood. I lived in a mobile home. I had some um, emotional insecurity attached to that because I felt like I didn't know many student, many other people that had financial hardships that were happening. My mom was um, single parent, but she was a first-generation college student, so she instilled in me the, val- the values and the, the importance of education, and that education was the only way that you could get out of poverty and that you could excel in life and that it was a privilege as a female to be able to go to school And so that was important to me. So when I came here, because she also went to Cal Poly, I just wanted to get my bachelor's degree. And I had a lot of challenges um, because I I didn't feel secure in who I was. And so when I started my sociology program, I found my place in life. And it was hard for me to know what, what... major to take and what I wanted to do with my life. I just knew that I wanted to be of service because my mom was, servitude was very important to her Um, and hard work because she did work very hard and she sacrificed a lot for me to be able to go to college. Um, And financial aid helped also, but it didn't help with everything. So I remember one of my first things that I was interested in was Albert Bandura and social learning theory and positive psychology. And I was so excited learning about social stratification and inequities and racism and classism and all these different things that helped me understand myself and embrace my experiences and kind of celebrate the diversity that we had here on campus. So that was the beginning. And Bandura had something called self-efficacy. And I didn't know what that was, but that is a belief in your ability, your capacity as a person to exert control over your motivation and your behavior. So I knew that I needed to work on my confidence and my optimism. And after college, um, I was able to work in an after-school program called Think Together, and I taught, and then I was a coordinator. And so through that, I worked in a low-income neighborhood, and we had an after-school snack component. And we realized that if we gave students access to a meal and not a snack, that they could retain much more information, their behavior was better. Um, So behavior modification was interesting to me. I also became interested in positive behavior intervention support systems, which is basically like positive affirmations, reinforcing the behavior you want to see more of. So I was really interested in that. And Stephen um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he has a whole program, but that was really interesting about personal change. And um, it's based on timeless principles. Some of the things that my mom raised me with. And so when I went on to my master's program, um, I went to Cambridge and I got my master's in education because I knew that I wanted to teach, but I really wanted to learn more about myself. And so I did teaching skills and methodologies. And in that experience, I didn't have access to a computer. My um, supervisor or my my professor gave me a um, laptop, which was wonderful because I was writing my thesis by hand. And my thesis I wrote about um, CASEL, which is the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning. And I was so interested because there's these five competencies of career 
college career, but basically just life skills, non-cognitive skills. And that those skills were self-awareness, which is like a growth mindset or grit and self-management, kind of that self-discipline and being able to motivate yourself to set and achieve goals and social awareness where you could embrace your diversity and relationship skills of seeking and offering help to others and being of service and then um, responsible decision making based on like ethical principles. So I wrote my thesis on that and I thought that that was really wonderful. I also learned a lot more about um, grit, which is Angela Duckworth's um, term. She has a scale and she defines grit as um, working strenuously towards challenges maintaining effort and interest over years despite failure, adversity, and plateaus in progress. So in my experience, grit is a better indicator of success than talent or luck. Having this job is the best blessing I've ever had in my life because I don't necessarily have the talent or the skills to complete this job, but I care. And and that perseverance that all that you have to do is care about something and try hard and persist despite adversity. And that is your greatest asset. So some of the things that I thought were limitations or barriers were actually the thing that helped me to excel in my personal and professional life. And I think that perseverance aligns with that consistency of effort and the tendency to sustain effort towards your goals and persist in spite of adversity. So um, Duckworth did a great job of helping us understand what grit is and that it's a better indicator of success than talent or of luck. And then I also like Carol Dweck, her theory about neuroplasticity and growth mindset Mm -hmm. and helping people understand that if you believe that your brain can grow with effort, that you behave differently. And I've seen in my work that the impact of praise, positive reinforcement, self-affirmation, believing in yourself has an impact on your efficacy, your effectiveness in life. And so I think that um, if students could just say to themselves that they can do this. You can do this and believe in themselves that I can get smarter. Effort makes me stronger. Learning is my goal. Those are things that helped me overcome some of the challenges and obstacles that I faced in my academic pursuit. Right. Now, if sitting through a fire alarm and continuing to give that beautiful speech doesn't say something about your perseverance, I don't know what does. So thank you for that example, you know, in action. Um, And I just want to follow up on that saying that, you know, here at the LRC, we're we're so focused on those same things, right? And I think that's across campus. Like, academic self-efficacy is very important to us. And and we spend a lot of time in academic skills trying to say, how can we get students to actually believe this, right? To buy into it. Because it's one thing to just say it and know that it exists to say, hey, there's this thing called grit or there's this, you know, thing called perseverance and try to have it, right? But there are actual, like, tools you can use to develop it, right? Yes. I think I think that there are tools and again it's asking for help it's being willing to come into a learning center and being open and willing to learn and hear other people's ideas Um, but it's also just drawing on your opportunities for development based on things that you might think are weaknesses they're actually your strengths and so I think if we could all just be a little bit more kind to ourselves Mm -hmm. and treat each other with awareness that we're all going through things that we don't see you wouldn't know that a student was experiencing food insecurity or is living in their car and so if we could be kind to each other and also kind to ourselves to remember that this is difficult and education is a privilege but it's also a beautiful journey to be able to learn about yourself and be able to see how you could be of service to others which is that purpose that we all kind of are trying to look for at this point in our lives right definitely 
So give us a little bit on what they can do to develop it. Now, how about sustaining it? Because, you know, when the going gets mm-hmm. tough, it's really tough to keep going sometimes, yes. right? So what tip do you have for sustaining that mentality? That's great. I think I would say there's four things that I suggest. Okay. The first one would be pursue something that's interesting to you, like I did with sociology. Um, find your passion or your purpose. Try to find your calling and not just a job. It's okay to work a job, but when you're trying to figure out what major you want, find what makes your, your soul shine, what makes you happy, what makes you cry. Find out who you are. And if you don't know, that's okay because you'll figure it out on the way. But um, endurance is kind of about finding something that is personally meaningful in your life and that can help you overcome some difficulties. I think the second thing is perspective. So perspective to be able to believe that failure can be overcome and that failure is okay. Um, That all of the setbacks that you may encounter are just a setup for a comeback. And that if you could praise your effort and not be afraid to make a mistake, the only way that any of us can learn and that I can learn in my new job is to make mistakes and kind of embrace that we're all learning and that's okay. And that's kind of the polytechnic experience. I think that's what helped me with this degree and going to school here and taking on this job here is that it's okay to make mistakes and failing is normal and that's part of our learning process. So that perspective, that shift in in perspective will help. Um, And it's like that quote where life is 90% how you respond and 10% to what happens. So you might fail a test, but then you just look at that and find, what did I learn from that? How could I change my behavior, my choices? What could I do differently? And just being flexible and so that you can adapt. So there are a lot of opportunities for growth, but I think that the third one is just practice. And I used to say to myself, I'm a perfectionist. So I would say practice makes perfect, but it doesn't. And you can't have, you need attainable goals. And so I think that practicing something is the skill. That's how you get it. That's how you can maintain it. Um, And that the goal is to just have some progress and to learn along the way. So if you can persist, you'll usually get something. But if you want to keep it, you have to be consistent. And that's just practicing, pursuing something, showing interest or effort on an ongoing basis and embracing that long, repetitive process of trying to accomplish a goal. Mm -hmm. Because you're never, it it really is like a marathon and not a sprint. And I think the last suggestion I would have would be patience. Give it time. Um, Make a decision and try to see it through and resist that tendency to abandon tasks or give up when things get hard. Um, you can build resistance that you need to be successful in life if you're willing to conquer challenges instead of avoiding them. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid because you, you are capable. You're more capable than you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if everything goes as planned, this podcast is going to be airing um, during the week that students come back to school. Uh, it's a new academic year. So what's a the best piece of advice that you can give students as we go into this new year related to perseverance, grit, and all the stuff that we talk about during this podcast? I think the first thing that I'd want students to know is that we're here to support all of us. Every person that they interact with, staff, faculty, um, fellow students, all of us have a common goal to -hmm. learn and to grow. And so they're not alone in the stress that they may feel and difficulty managing that stress and regulating our emotions. And it's it's difficult, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. But if you can be brave enough to ask for help when you need it, 
I think that that will be helpful. And I think for persistence and grit, just remembering that it's not about your talent. It's not about your IQ. It's not about um, where you come from. It's about what's inside of you. And so that effort and that care, that passion, that will take you much further than any skill or IQ could take you. Yeah. Definitely. That's beautiful. It's not stopping this time, so maybe it's real. <laughs> maybe we should evacuate. <laughs> right. Maybe we should evacuate. Um, but we want to thank you so much for being here and for caring as much as you do. I mean, your passion is so obvious. And and so we're going to recommend to every student that we come across to come see you because Yay. I think, I think yeah. you can make such a big difference in people's lives. So. And that's a blessing. It really is a gift. And I hope right. students see that they're, they're, they're helping me right. by letting me help them. Beautiful. All right, thank you so much for being here with us, and let's get out of the building. Okay, let's go. <laughs>